0: Welcome to uh, episode two of the St. Louis Bullpen Show. My name is John Fleming, St. Louis Bullpen writer, editor, founder guy. Joined once again by uh, Alex Turpin, who is those things except not a founder, I guess, but he's he's here on the show. He's the founder of the podcast.
1: That's right. I I am in fact here.
0: Yes, uh, it's, I, people keep trying to dispute uh, the fact that you're here, but you are here, and I. I appreciate the fact that you're here because otherwise this would just be me like vamping like this for the entirety of the podcast.
1: Is there now? Is, is there is there a vacuum cleaner running in your back? I just heard something whirring in the background and I didn't know if it's, someone was.
0: I think it was my computer. I don't think anyone who's in my building the entire time I've lived here because it's me and a bunch of other single men that live in this building. So we're all just complete and total uh, slobs and embarrassing messes.
1: I have a I have a hardwood floor for the most part, so. Uh... I'm the same, but I don't have to do that anyway.
0: So you would be like this literal dirt bag, like I am if you had the opportunity. You just haven't been presented with that.
1: Yeah, it sounds pretty fun.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's okay. It's a little gross, a little bit hard to rationalize whenever people come over. So I've managed to avoid that by just not inviting people over. So we made a pledge before, the, uh, before this podcast that we were going to try to not go as long as we did the last episode. We're off to a roaring start of staying on topic. Obviously, we've discussed the Cardinals endlessly in this first minute and a half or whatever. Let's talk about the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays are uh, they're playing a baseball game tonight against the Houston Astros to get the. By the time people are listening to this, that might be resolved. So
1: yeah, I, w- I will say um, on a serious note, uh, just while it's you know on the top of my head, it's a, a real distinct possibility at this point that none of the Dodgers, Astros, or Yankees will make the World Series and that would be something and the twins either who are also 100 games so yeah i mean well too it would be pretty incredible if if right it would be pretty incredible if there were these 400 win teams and not a single one made the world series i, th- I still think the the yankees are going to be a really tough out for um the astros or the rays um the rays in particular for this thought exercise if they were to advance but then again they put up quite the fight against Houston. So we'll see what happens. We'll know by the time this podcast comes out.
0: Yeah, so far this playoffs, and it seems weird to say this, given the fact that the Yankees won their series, Houston very well may win theirs, but I feel like there's a little bit of a redemption arc for the idea of just getting into the playoffs and see what happens.
1: It really is. I mean, that that concept has been vindicated so far, especially when if we look at teams like, well, we'll look at the, the teams in the NLCS, yes, the Cardinals and the uh, Nationals, um, maybe not – you wouldn't consider either of them to be the super team that you would consider the Astros or the Yankees or even the Dodgers to be. But if you have a competitive team without a lot of glaring, unfixable weaknesses and enough good cornerstone pieces, then if you can make it into the playoffs, then you know it, it, who knows what happens. Not only um, can guys get hot and can you take down a team that on paper looks better than you, but – um, other teams that look better than you on paper can get eliminated by completely different teams, which is why the Cardinals no longer have to worry about the Dodgers. But as I'm sure we'll discuss, the Nationals present uh, quite a few challenges of their own.
0: Yeah, and I think in the abstract, even aside from just pro-Cardinals bias, it's a good thing to have it so that the playoffs are this viable tournament. Not necessarily that upsets are a good thing, or that they make the playoffs more interesting, but just long-term baseball-wise it makes it so that teams have an incentive to compete. You're not seeing teams that are... You know, winning high 80s games, and they decide that's not good enough. We can't win a World Series. We're going to purposely be taking mm-hmm. for the next few years, which, which really hasn't happened as much as people say it has. Like the Astros and the Cubs, when they did their teardowns, they were pretty bad teams to begin with. They were doing like what the Braves did a few years ago, where they had a pretty good team and they just decided they were going to tear it all down. But
1: now I remember years ago, there was a guy in the uh, Viva Alberto's comment section, and this is my. I think pretty much every re- episode I'm going to reference the Viva Alberto's comments section since that's where many of us were, uh, where many of us were forged as far as baseball discussions go. Um, but a few years ago, there was someone in there, and I'm not going to say who it was. You might be able to guess once I'm done saying. Um, someone in there who suggested that in lieu of the playoffs, um, since it's such a random system, it doesn't reward um, actual season-long success, they should either – Just crown the champion whoever wins the most games at the end of the year, or come up with some sort of uh, like sabermetric calculus to determine who the best team is. That said, I'm pretty sure that person was trolling, but you never with this person you never really know.
0: See, I don't even really disagree with that in terms of like a one season kind of thing, because like it, it is kind of cool to see the best team win, but if you make it so that the best that there's just total predictable tournament, then it creates this league like we have to some extent right now where you have 20 teams that aren't really trying to win and that just makes the regular season incredibly boring to watch.
1: Ultimately this is an entertainment business and the playoffs are extremely entertaining and it's it's kind of how I've come to feel about the wild card plan game setup <laughs> that while I don't I don't know how much it really adds to the the league, the structure of the league and the game itself they they've proven to be almost universally really entertaining. Um, so that's maybe, I mean, maybe you could say that the MLB, I mean, the culture of the MLB, I don't know how much you would actually care about this, but like you could have like the NHL equi- or the MLB equivalent of what they have with the president's trophy in the NHL. Um, where you get to have a nice little trophy for having the, um, best record in the regular season. You know, it doesn't count for
0: nothing. Yeah, I would be okay with that. And, I must say, with regards to the wild card games, I've never been more wrong on anything than I was in my belief that the wild cards were terrible. Like going into it, uh, they've happened. They're just they're awesome. They're so much fun, and it creates an incentive for teams to win their division rather than just getting the wild card. And
1: yeah, and that and that is true. Um, I mean, in fairness to you, the idea at first sounded terrible. Um, it, sounded there was... like they were,
0: it sounded like they were trying to recreate 2011.
1: Yeah, exactly. They saw the yeah they saw the chaos of 2011. Um and they, you know, they wanted to capitalize on that. Um, but I mean, if that is what they were thinking, then they've done that and it's been, yeah, it's been really fun. Um, you know, the Cardinals playing in the first one, that one was chaotic and fun, and so many, so many of them since then have been the same way.
0: Who who, who did the Cardinals play in that first wild card game? I, I'm trying to remember. It's for some reason the team just is being blocked out of my memory right now. But that's
1: <clears throat> in October of 2012, I was kicked in the head by a horse, and I don't remember anything before that.
0: Okay. Well, it's unfortunate. There was a really good World Series the year before. Maybe we'll uh, discuss that on a future episode, just sort of reacquaint you with. Yeah. Well, we'll, well, we'll get to it at some point, but yeah, for now, just to answer the question that I posed to you, the team that the St. Louis Cardinals beat in the 2012 inaugural wildcard game was the Atlanta Braves. And- ah, the Atlanta Braves were the team that the Cardinals just faced in the National League Division Series. I'm not going to spoil the results. We're going to have to just go game by game. And uh... well,
1: and 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 I won't. I don't know the results because I was um, this morning at 9 a.m. I was kicked in the head by a horse, and I don't remember uh, anything before then. So have you,
0: have you considered like staying away from horses for a while, or do you just keep forgetting that you had the horse trauma each time it happens? So you just Don't remember, you should avoid them.
1: I like horses. They have soft, velvety noses that I like to pet. Um, But then they kick me.
0: Apparently they don't like it when you pet them, based on what I'm seeing.
1: No, apparently not.
0: I guess it's time to go uh, game by game. And if you could go ahead and pull up Baseball Reference, just so you can at least have an idea of what (laughs) you want to pretend that you watched the games. Sure. Really appreciated. So, game one, and I know at this point we're recapping week-old action. (laughs) I think the overall story is going to make things... Interesting for people. So game one was last Thursday, and it was um, it was chaos. The game was just absolutely uh, it was it was sort of madness. There was um, yeah. the Cardinals ended up winning the game. They made a comeback to uh, I believe they tied the game in the eighth inning, and they uh, went ahead in the ninth inning, put up a four run lead entering the bottom of the ninth inning, which they nearly surrendered in full. But they ended up winning the game by one run, anyway. So they ended up winning
1: uh, seven to six. We sh- we really should have seen this coming, and I-, I alluded to it maybe a little bit in our series preview, but it was such a, a toss up matchup between these two teams, and the teams were designed as such that it was just it was made for this sort of chaos. This series was, and that is what we wound up uh, getting. And this you know the narrative starts building there. I mean it was it was a fun win. Um, the series did not get any more normal after that, and um, not only the Cardinals scoring in going long stretches without scoring and then scoring in spurts, but also um, the first uh, Carlos Martinez incident um, occurred in that inning when the Cardinals almost surrendered the lead. Um, But it was no harm, no foul because the Cardinals were able to take game one on the road. And it's, if you can take game one on the road in any series, it's so critical. There's all sorts of times to come back, but it just sort of sets the tone for the next couple of games.
0: Yeah, there was a lot that happened in game one that became stories throughout the course of the series. Like you mentioned, Carlos Martinez uh, escaping. I guess technically he would have gotten the win, right? Because he came in in the bottom of the eighth, and then they took the lead in the top of the ninth, and then they held on. So
1: I think that's right.
0: Yeah, will the win. W- wins are important and relevant pitching statistics that we must uh, treasure forever.
1: Yeah, the good stat. And how many, how many games did Jack Flaherty win, that bum?
0: Um, he won the same number of games this last year as John Gant, the relief pitcher who was left off the playoff roster. So, yeah, um, yeah, something of a uh, a telltale sign that there's a little bit of sarcasm brewing here. But, no, yeah. um, a couple incidents happened with uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. And I'm kind of curious what your thoughts on these. There was uh, one play earlier in the game where he hit what apparently he thought was going to be a home run. Um, sort of admired the ball as it went off the bat, and it would have for sure been a double had he run out of the box, but ended up stopping at first. And a few of his teammates ended up criticizing him after the game for it. Freddie Freeman was critical. Ozzie Alves was critical. And um, what, did, what did you think about that play other than, hey, that's good for the Cardinals? What's <laughs> the entirety of your thoughts?
1: Yeah, so I'm <clears throat> definitely a, a pro pimping home runs guy. Um, I think it's, it's fun. It's really not a big deal. I do think that there are a lot of people who kind of use it um, they like to, to use those moments to get on their soapbox to kind of make bigger points in general. I just think, you know, it's, it's fun. It's, it's one of the cool parts of baseball is when you get to see these grown men, um, get really excited on, on like a, a childlike level. It's sort of not only, not only is it cool to see, but it sort of humanizes them, especially for th- those of us who did uh, play when we were kids kind of getting to see that even when you do continue to play and things get to. That level, there are certain things that never change. Now that being said, um, the the flip side of that is that you do have to, you know, you you can't let it cut in the way of actually being, you know, a productive player. I mean, if I, I think it's totally cool to pimp a home
0: run,
1: but you you better make sure it's actually a home run yeah, when you do it. Um, so, I mean, it, it you know, I, I don't think it wound up having a, a huge impact, but um, you definitely don't want to be in a position where Um, you having a little bit of fun, um, winds up actually costing your team. So that's the flip side of, I mean, you know, I'd have, I have no objection and we'll get to this in a minute. Um, but you know, it is, it's okay to, to pimp a home run, but, um, if, if, if it's a close call, then, um, maybe just, maybe just wait until it goes over, you know?
0: Like, I think you're a little bit more pro bat flip than I am. It's not even because I'm anti flip. I just don't care. Like, I find yeah. that, like... They, they're fine, you know? Like, like, I don't mind that they exist, but once they're just done over and over again, they kind of loses the specialness. And like you mentioned, some people try to, like, get on their soapbox about it. And, like, there's some people that are soapbox against it, but I think I'm at least as annoyed by the people that are soapboxed for it about basically just yelling, look how fun this thing is, look how fun I am for thinking this fun thing is so fun. And, like, okay, dude, I, I get it, like fine it's it's right. whatever it doesn't necessarily excite me i think that in the case of like the acuna one you know earlier in the game on the um the double that turned into a single first of all like you said like dude it has to actually you have to get it out of there like you better be sure right. that it's leaving the right game. and and second <laughs> of all like it just almost seemed kind of contrived to me like it didn't seem spontaneous in the way that
1: yeah. And that,
0: that flips, just like the guy throws it and it just clearly is excited. He just seemed like he kind of was putting on a show and, and, you know,
1: right. And, and that was, and that was, and that was something that I was thinking of as you were talking that I actually agree with. <clears throat> the other thing is they're, they're very fun when they're like a spontaneous, like actual real expression of joy, the more contrived, they seem, you know, the more it kind of waters it down. Kind of the, the classic example of a good version was Jose Bautista Um, who you could tell just genuinely, you know, as soon as the ball left the bat, the ball was gone and felt like in that moment he was on top of the world aggressively through the bat. Another example, I mean, um, we saw Matt Adams a couple years ago, do a great bat flip where, um, that was an exuberance. Um, so yeah, the, the more contrived it is, the, the less fun it is because the, the enjoyable part, the sort of exuberance of it isn't. I don't want to say it isn't real, but it's it's less real, you know.
0: <clears throat> yeah, a, a few feet away from you right now, I actually have an autographed picture of Matt Adams after his uh, bat flip against Clayton Kershaw in the uh, 2014 NLDS Game 4, which Clayton Kershaw in the playoffs came up again yesterday, which once we get to talking about the Nationals, we'll yeah. kind of maybe yeah. mention again. But may, maybe not, just to save on time. I think everyone has heard the Clayton Kershaw thing before. But, yeah, it's pretty much the extent of my takes on the Acuna thing as far as in the ninth inning, he had a home run and I'm still not sure what exactly he did on the trot that offense, I guess he like Mm
1: -hmm.
0: kind of like took a slight, like how would you describe what he did?
1: I don't really know how to describe it. I mean, it was just a a slight, a slight pimpage if you will. It wasn't definitely not one of the worst one I've ever seen. Um, like, but, you know, just <clears>
0: based on the way it was talked about, that he like did cartwheels around the bases or something like it was a little bit, but like a little bit slower, a little bit demonstrative, but nothing totally crazy. You,
1: you could tell that he was that he was basking in it a little bit and to a level that was perfectly ac- acceptable, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. And uh, Carlos Martinez was not happy about it and sort of reinvigorated the sort of stereotype of cart as being these scolds about unwritten rules, which isn't really a, that much of a thing, but in, in this case no. it actually was, which kind of got on my nerves. Because, like, dude, we've been trying for years to convince people we're not all, like, just boring scolds who hate fun.
1: Right. It was really kind of a throwback moment when that happened. Like, a lot of the old characters in the baseball media world, people that used to have us blocked on Twitter, wisely so, Um, We kind of got to rehash it out with them again. And it's just the same old thing over and over my thoughts on the actual thing itself. I I have a little bit of a a caveat here. I do think that I mean, if you're Carlos in that situation, probably just kind of suck it up, you know, like don't you don't have to be happy. And that's my my one caveat on because my you know, the take that a lot of people give when this happens is that, you know, as a pitcher, if you don't like if you don't like a bat flip, you should just not give up the home run. The thing is, these guys are at such a high competitive level and they take their craft so seriously. And like this is not only just the game they're playing, it is their life. It's way too much to ask that a pitcher be thrilled about the fact they just gave a home run and just, you know, not not feel anything about it and just move on to the next thing. The flip side of that, of course, is that um, they really don't need to go and, and like complain in postgame pressers unless the person did something like legitimately disrespectful and. And they definitely don't need to to try and bean anyone, which wasn't the the concern here. But I think if you're Carlos there, like, you don't have to be happy about it. You can even be a little bit miffed, I think, that Acuna basked in it. Because, I mean, there's a guy, you know, literally rubbing it in your face that he just beat you. Um, But, I I mean, I don't, I think he really didn't need to, you know, say anything after the game. Probably should have just let it go. They won.
0: Yeah. And and from your pure, like, baseball narrative drama standpoint, if you have one guy who's being excited and, you know, not his back, but like that type of demonstrative action and mm-hmm. you like that sort of thing. Isn't it more fun if the pitcher's kind of the opposite of that? Isn't it more fun if the pitcher's kind of a heel and not just like giving him a round of applause? Like that's not exciting. There's no friction. There's no right. point to the excitement that are showing from a drama standpoint.
1: Right. Exactly. So I, I agree with you on that, but that there were not, it wasn't like there were heavy shenanigans in, this series i get the sense that within the clubhouses there was more of a feel on what sort of shenanigans were going on but for us you know it wasn't the most contentious series in in the world but there was some stuff like this kind of going on on the outside but to your point it was especially exhausting having this conversation about the cardinals being allegedly scolds when brian Literal Brian McCann is playing for the Atlanta Braves, the most Cops player in the yeah. entire league, I think, for so, years. Okay,
0: now, now, now. Former most Cops player in the entire league, as we'll get Oh, to that's right. That's later in the... That's right. Series.
1: Because a certain team ended his career, so...
0: I mean, it's actually interesting, because this is the second time in a row that the Cardinals played the Braves <laughs> in the playoffs, and they force an incredibly Cops Braves player into retirement because Trooper Jones's last game was that wild card game that I mentioned before.
1: That's right. But being retired did not stop him from whining and complaining on Twitter.
0: Oh, it did not. Uh,
1: it, it, no, rare, it, ra- not. it rarely does.
0: Anybody who is curious about that can look at my, uh, like, reasons you can hate the Braves blog post posted last week. Yeah. It's it discussed.
1: I did read the article, and uh, yeah, I think you covered it quite well. Um, now, was the... I, I keep losing track. Was the was the Helsley thing in in as a result of game one or two?
0: That was game one. That okay. Ryan Helsley, who is of uh, Cherokee Native American ancestry, came into the game and, as Atlanta Braves fans are known to do, did the tomahawk chop. And he was asked about it after the fact, and you know, I think was pretty professional about it. He said he yeah. like it wasn't like it was going to destroy him mentally if somebody did it, but he didn't care for it. He thought it was disrespectful, which is a thing that. People have been saying about the tomahawk chop. <clears throat> since it began, yeah. And boy, uh boy, there are a lot of Braves fans who are uh, very defensive of the tomahawk chop. And it, like, I feel like, I think most Braves fans probably don't think that much about it. It's just kind of a thing. They might even go along with it, but they're not doing right. any kind of like, like if it went away, they wouldn't really pay attention to it. But yeah, the ones who do care about it, um, they're very online about it.
1: Yeah. So we, yeah, we shouldn't allow ourselves to be. Guilty of the same thing that we acknowledge other people do, which is the fact that in these circumstances, we're seeing the worst of the worst oh, and judging all of them. But I mean, there are there were qu- quite a few that <laughs> crawled out of the world. You know what, what I noticed in particular about about a lot of the, the Braves fans who did happen to show up and pop into various people's mentions? Boy, a lot of them are like related to. Say that a lot of them say they're related to Native Americans or, like, are part Native American themselves. I'm sure it's just a coincidence that they literally all say that when they get called out on racism. But, um.
0: Yeah. As somebody who was also told growing up that I had Native American blood by an incorrect older relative, I feel like I can put in a relevant topic in political discussion over the last yeah. year or so. Yeah. yeah. And also, it doesn't matter because a lot of people who, like, are active in this community seem to have a problem with it. So... Two
1: things that are really important to note to understand the context of this story. One is that the Tomahawk Chop, it's not just some spontaneous thing that the fans do. Now, granted, you will see them like in visiting stadiums. They will do it spontaneously. But in Atlanta, when they're playing at home, not only is it something they do, but it's something that's actually promoted by the team and the people running the uh, um, people. You know, running the show at the stadium yeah. um, with the dimming of the lights and the playing of the music—it's something that they actively um, encourage people to participate in. The other important thing to note is that Ryan Helsley—and I actually wouldn't have even really had a problem with it had he done this—but Ryan Helsley was approached and asked about it. Um, He—it's not like he went out of his way to make this statement. And again, I think it would have been fine if he did, but um, a little bit of the response. I, I think is kind of glossing over that fact that he was asked his thoughts and he just shared them.
0: I think it's a, you know, a fairly obvious storyline because, you know, most of the time when they're doing this, it's not being done towards native American players. And certainly in this case, they were targeting him for it, but
1: no, most of them probably didn't even know who Ryan Housley was, you know? Yeah. Um, but that is, that is, you know, that is part of the, part of the, the risk of this is that in those circumstances, you are literally doing this to someone who is a, who is a native American. Um, so on one hand, you have the Native American people who have been um, for centuries you know, systematically oppressed and uh, stolen from and really have not been given anything back that's anywhere near equivalent to what was taken from them. And um, we should maybe be uh, respectful of and cognizant of what their thoughts are of their portrayals in pop culture, which has been so unkind to them. But uh, on the other hand, maybe Ryan Helsley should uh, stop being such a snowflake. So those are kind of your two sides. Um, it's one or the other. And um, who's to say which is which?
0: Yeah, I mean, who, who's to say, I mean, what, what's what's wrong? I, I can't remember the drill tweet off the top of my head. but um,
1: um, this, Is it the zero difference one? Uh, I, yeah, go ahead and go on uh, with your next thing, and I'll, I'll look it up so we can get the exact.
0: He didn't pitch again in Atlanta the remainder of the series. He didn't pitch in game two. Um, before Game Five, the Braves issued a statement which said that they were not going to play the Tomahawk Chop music whenever Ryan Helsley was coming into the game, which is an interesting way of sort of tacitly admitting, "Hey, this thing is." Really f-
1: yes, f- <laughs> and and I'd made the tweet about it. the the way they phrased it was so weaselly. Um, not only did it did it really make clear that the reason they're they're altering anything is because Ryan Helsley. Um, complain, but it really went out of its way to avoid any taking any responsibility for any wrongdoing. So um, but most people saw right through it, I would
0: think. Yeah. And the Braves keep putting out these statements that say things along the lines of, you know, we're looking for this where we appreciate his concerns We're respectful of his concerns. But they've been doing this for 28 years since Deion Sanders brought it from Florida State, which a lot of Braves fans apparently think is a defense of the Tomahawk Chop, that Deion Sanders originated it, because apparently Deion Sanders can't do offensive things, I guess. I don't know. Like, maybe like it's a lot of white people who see that a black guy did it, so therefore it can't be racist against a different ethnic group. I don't know. It's, it's a lot of... Um, a lot of circles being run around, but...
1: The wise man bowed his head solemnly and spoke, There's actually zero difference between good and bad things. You imbecile, you fucking moron. Have we only made it through game one? We should probably just skip ahead. At this,
0: yeah, well, I, I, think, I think that there's less to talk about in the other games, just because we've sort of talked about the overarching, you know, story. Right. Game two is really pretty simple. Jack Flaherty pitched really well. Mike Fultonavich pitched better. Cardinals offense never took off. Cardinals lost 3-0. Uh, uh, I think Flaherty stayed in the game too long. But at the same time, I also can't get that mad about that considering the Cardinals didn't score any runs. I, I think that if yeah. you were to go back to a managerial decision, and let me be very clear, I think Mike Schilt had a really rough series.
1: He absolutely
0: did. And he survived it, so that's good. We'll see what happens going forward. But I, I think that if yeah in the question, it would be the fact that they went with the defense lineup whenever it was Jack Flaherty, who has by far the lowest ground ball rate right on the team.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the big problems with Mike Matheny always was the fact that he never learned anything from his mistakes. I think as a manager, like as a first time manager, like you don't want your manager to make mistakes and they need to make as few mistakes as possible. On the other hand, and mistakes will happen the first time they're managing in the playoffs because it's such an entirely different animal. So the big key for Mike Schilt going forward will be what, what does he learn from the mistakes, and is he even cognizant of the fact that he made mistakes? Because Mike Matheny rarely even uh, met that threshold.
0: Yeah, and but luckily after so, luckily after Game 2, though, Mike Schilt would never leave in a starter entirely <clears throat> until the next game that was...
1: Womp, womp.
0: Yeah, yeah, so Game 3, which we uh, both attended, which was yeah. the first playoff game I ever attended, which...
1: Um, Me too. Oh,
0: first NHL playoff game I ever attended was the game that Patrick Kane scored a double overtime winning goal, so I'm having some rough starts in my playoff attending career. But uh, Adam Wainwright pitched what what a gem. Would that be too strong?
1: No, I I don't think it is at all. And I noticed in the first inning, you even got the sense that there was something going on because he'd gotten decent results during the latter part of the season, but he wasn't really dominating. He wasn't striking people out at a great rate. He wasn't looking like the old Adam Wainwright. This looked like the old Adam Wainwright. I mean, he was getting people with the curve, um,
0: it, looks, it, was, it was some combination of the old Adam Wainwright and right. like, old Adam Wainwright, which is his yeah. velocity still wasn't there, but the off-speed stuff. That, that's was Destroying guys, mm-hmm. which was uh combination. Yeah,
1: it was, it was really, really incredible to watch. I mean, you know, it sounds cliche to say, but I mean, he was a warrior out there. I mean, he just, every new challenge that, that came around in the game, he, I mean, he would find a way to get through it with the exception of the eighth inning. The eighth inning wound up not mattering because... Um, maybe an unexpected sort, sort of gets forgotten the fact that it was it was Andrew Miller right who came in and and
0: yes, um, ended, the, ended the
1: threat. Andrew Miller came in and did exactly what he needed to do, and it has as much maligned and fairly so as Andrew Miller has been um, <clears throat> during this season for the Cardinals because frankly he hasn't been very good. Um, I mean he, that was his biggest moment, and he came in and uh, uh, um, did his job.
0: Unfortunately, it was for uh, the second time in. Three if three games. The uh, sort of the goat for the Cardinals ended up being Carlos Martinez.
1: Womp, womp.
0: Ended up allowing three runs in the uh, top of the ninth. Final score ended up being three one. But <clears throat> a, a couple points have to be made. One, you got to score more than one run. Like absolutely. For two games, you score one run. That's uh,
1: the Cardinals were being one hit until very deep into that game, and they're able to capitalize on the one hit early on because um, they. They they score the run, but it's just it's hard to win even when your pitcher is dealing, and you have a you know a guy coming in out of the bullpen who's been really good during the year. It's just it's hard to expect your pitching staff to be that good.
0: Yeah, and there were a couple uh, managerial moves that got some criticism, like we mentioned. Yeah, with Wainwright going as uh as deep into the game as he did, though of course the Cardinals survived that one because. They hadn't given up a run by the time the eighth inning ended, and then um, as far as two very
1: so- critical mistakes in the ninth, two very big mistakes in the ninth.
0: What did you think about just going to Carlos Martinez in general? Like
1: I was, I was okay. I was okay with that. It's yeah, not like I, was too. I mean, the other guy you would go to there would be Gallegos. Um, it's not like I mean, Gallegos is as good as he was this year. It's not like he was. It's not like he didn't have his own issues at times late in the season. Had there been one clear other option then i think you go to it but um you know martinez i mean he's your guy he's he'd had his struggles recently but you know mo- a lot of the bullpen had to be honest um so i i was fine with going to him but the thing is in that situation when you feel like he's a little bit you got to have a quick hook and that is not what happened here yeah
0: you have to have a quick hook which he did not which michael um, did not have and when you have a chance to face Danzy Swanson, who's been killing you for a couple games, yeah. you have to you have to walk Brian McCann, who...
1: Uh, and I just can't... I, did did Schilt even offer an explanation to this? It was, it was I, something
0: I, along the lines of Martinez having success in the past against Swanson in, like, six at-bat. Uh,
1: you just, uh, uh, we can't have managers... I know they they all do stuff like this. We just can't, in 2019, still have managers do things like that.
0: Yeah, it was uh, it, it was rough. It was questionable. I most definitely would have, you know, if you didn't feel comfortable with Martinez going against Brian McCann, you should probably just take him out of the game at that point.
1: So then Dansby Swanson, kind of, I mean, you could just you could just tell at the time that that's a move that they were just going to pay for, and they did because Dansby Swanson tied the game. Now at this point, you really have to pull him. Yes, absolutely. Because I mean, in, in fair in fairness to Schilt, leading up to this, before Carlos Martinez, like I know he. Let the lead man on, but he had a couple of good at bats. Got the next two outs. A strikeouts, I believe. Yeah, and yeah. he looked good. The intentional walk bad, but after he gives up the the tying run, I think you have to go get him at that point.
0: Yeah, and like at that point, I I couldn't question the fact that Martinez was in the game, and like you said, the fact that you didn't just pull him after the first batter or anything, but right. Like, at some point, you have to make that move. And you know, maybe based on what happened in Game 4, which we'll get to you in a second, like maybe Helsley starts pitching in those sorts of high leverage situations. Right. I would not be opposed to that at all because he was probably the Cardinals' best reliever in the series overall.
1: I mean, Schilt has shown a tendency to kind of build his high leverage situation, uh, situational decisions around you know, when guys are looking really good and going on streaks. Um, like that Um, you know Gallegos definitely worked his way into that role um, it seems like Helsley has maybe just kind of been inching more towards that anyway Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see that I would be more than welcome to see that
0: yeah and like Gallegos and Martinez have both they've slipped a little bit from what they were throughout most of the season because they both had very good seasons it's not to the extent that like John Gant did where I'm going to take him off the roster or anything but right yeah I right. would not be opposed to sort of switching up the leverage but and we can get into you know future series rosters in, in a little bit, but like there aren't any dramatic changes I'm making as far as like what relievers you're employing. Cause I'm not like suddenly like, Oh, I really want to see right. um, Austin Gomber out there. So I think he's hurt, but
1: really <laughs> like yeah, I, I, so, that I, would, I, I think that would be really absurd for that particular reason. Yes, um, um, Especially I looked and I think as of like within the last hour, um, there was a, like a statement from Mike Schill that he doesn't expect Waka to be ready to go. So, wow. Um, that would be, I mean, that would be one of the ones that you would, uh, that would make a difference. But if he's not ready to go, then I think you pretty well leave the bullpen yeah. composition the exact same.
0: I think at that point, unless somebody else got hurt that I don't know about, the pitchers will end up being the exact
1: same. I, I'm sorry. And I'll say at this point, I'm sorry if you heard some movement in the background there. Freddie, my first Freddie update of the pod is, uh, he's playing with a toy mouse.
0: Awesome. Hope he's so, having fun. Yeah, he seems to be. Awesome. So, uh, game three was uh, a downer, but we, we've yep. on that enough. They needed to score more runs in game four. They had two home runs in the first inning. So that was a good start.
1: Yes. Um, they did, but then, um, then they, things got worse. They, they did, but then they got better. They did. I I'm just gonna, and I, they, don't, and they worse I don't, I don't get better again. Yeah. I don't want to make a habit of this. Um, but I'll just – I'll read my my tweet on this verbatim. Um, oh,
0: please do. No, I'll always up for reading some
1: – Tired, Yadier Molina will make the Hall of Fame. Wired, Yadier Molina will make the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. Inspired, they will tear down the Hall of Fame and rebuild it as a shrine to Yadier Molina.
0: I mean he really so, is the only baseball player in some way.
1: Yeah, I just want to give a kind fuck you to Jeff Passan who I am starting to think is – um, a psyop by ESPN to make all sabermetrics people look like um, unbearable, unlovable nerds, which a lot of them are, um, myself included. But um, the point is that we're not all Jeff Passan.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm a little more generous, I think, towards Jeff Pass than a lot of other people are, and towards like the people that don't think Yadier Molina should be in the Hall of Fame. But there is sort of like a religiousness to it that I find very off-putting yeah. and bizarre. And like, I wasn't the guy. Yeah. as soon as the game ended. It was just tweeting like, hey, Keith Law, how do you think about that from the Hall of Fame or whatever? But at the same yeah. time, like... I, I also think it's fine
1: if you do because it's funny to make Keith Law mad and for that reason only.
0: That's fair. But, yeah, you know, I think as far as, like, the Hall of Fame... And we can get into a like, yada Molina Hall of Fame discussion anytime, so we probably... Yeah, we... Yeah, do it here, maybe
1: make that it. its own pod because <laughs> there's a lot to...
0: Yeah, but, like, I, I think that... The quick answer on it, though, is that there is a lot to discuss. Like, there are cases on both sides. I think that a lot of people on sort of the sabermetric side before defensive metrics really became as nuanced as they have in the last decade or so would see a guy like or Molina a decade ago look at his offensive numbers and just scoff at it. But, yeah. you know, the further we get, the more interesting of a debate it is, because obviously yeah. offensive numbers, he's not going to make it. But, you know, one of the best defensive players ever. But.
1: Yeah, and catcher, catcher defense, I mean, defensive statistics in general are hard to capture. Catcher is one of those really, really difficult ones because there are a lot of things that, that just in fairness, how can you possibly even, even measure, like calling a game, you know?
0: Yeah, and so but to get back to the, uh, the game at hand here, just so we don't get too far off the rail. So as I yeah. mentioned, uh, Paul Goldschmidt and Marcelo Zuna hit home runs in the first inning. They were definitely the offensive MVPs for the Cardinals this series, not even a question about it. And then um, bullpen. Once Dakota Hudson arguably was left in too long. It wasn't yeah. as egregious as the Wainwright thing, though the results were worse because he ended up surrendering the lead. But the bullpen ended up coming in and shutting guys down. Ryan Helsley struck out the side in his inning. Cardinals went to Carlos Martinez in the top of the ninth, which I was not crazy yeah. about. Not because not I don't think you can use Carlos Martinez the next day or anything like that Yeah, because Helsley was just pitching so well, but things went yeah. out. Martinez pitched pretty well. He gave up a double, but it was kind of one of those, oh, yeah, he's facing a, a really good hitter. It's fine. Not yeah. Upset. Yeah. And uh, so what were your... Um, do you have any other takeaways from the game? Because, like, I feel like all the say they I mean, say... Not exciting. from Game 4.
1: It, yeah, I mean, from Game 4, you know, it, it just... You felt... Really, things felt downtrodden after Game 3. Um, like, it was always possible that they could come back and win two in a row when you look at it that way it's not too daunting but um there was just something about this is such it's such a resilient team is something you can say about the 2019 Cardinals with all the ups and downs they have is they never and maybe not only a credit to, to like the veteran leadership on the team the players themselves the strength of the bench there but also to Mike Shields managing I would think the fact that they never seemed to get, you know, down in the dumps. I mean, they easily could have. You had your, you know, 38-year-old pitcher throw the best game he's thrown in quite some time, I would think, um and not win that game. That it's such a deflating moment. Um, but even during the stretches of the game where they where they weren't hitting, it never seemed like they were letting themselves get down in the dumps by the situation. It always just felt like they were ready to be poised to make a comeback. They just had to actually do it.
0: Yeah, and yeah, Game Four was a, a very dramatic, exciting game. Um, game Five, there's been a recent history, semi-recent history, of the Cardinals having dramatic Game Fives of the NLDS. They had the the one nothing Carpenter outdueling Roy Halliday game in 2011. Wild comeback in Washington in 2012. Um, yeah. This game,
1: polar no, opposite. It this one <laughs>
0: this was not that. No. So I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna let you share just sort of your overall thoughts on the uh, on Game Five, which the Cardinals won 13 to one. Um so you can share your thoughts because I actually have a list in mind that I want to read, but it I don't wanna Well I'll just I'll just tell the story of how the first inning went. So
1: I couldn't I, I was in court yesterday at this point I should probably specify that I'm an attorney. I wasn't in court for some other reason. I was in court for for work. Um I had a court docket um and uh it was running to the you know, as it usually does to the late afternoon and I had a hearing set at a uh, four o'clock. Um my client, um, did not show up and, uh, the court in this place gives them, uh, 15 minutes to show after time to show up before we go ahead and uh, call it and reschedule and do whatever we have to do. Um, but by this point where I'm going with is the game had started when I was walking out. Of, I was in a, you know, a pretty small courtroom with a prosecutor and a judge and, uh, two court clerks oh, and a bailiff who were all Cardinals fans. So I'd gotten the updates on my phone. I just shared with them that the Cardinals were already up two to nothing by the time I walked out to my car. And turned it on. It was five to nothing. Pretty good. So, so, real. I, I just an explosion like that. I mean, I hadn't remembered a Cardinals inning like that. Period. I think they. They. I was listening to Shannon and Rudy on the radio the rest of the way home, which normally is fine. But on as an aside, holy crap! They got to get Mike Shannon out of there. He's, he's can't do this. <laughs> I love Mike Shannon, but he, he can't do this I anymore.
0: I should I should say as a bit of advice that they also have the games on 101 ESPN locally. If you wanna listen to those. The, I, I
1: know, I like listening to Rooney, though, but... The callback
0: this series was that Chris Berman was the one doing the uh, national game, so he, after his, after Paul Goldschmidt hit a big home run in Game 1, I, I wasn't listening at the time, but I heard it, like, the replay of the call, he, as the home run was going, he says, Paul 24-karat Goldschmidt. Oh, it, it was... What is that? I started yelling at what my radio fuck? in my car. It was... It was rough.
1: If I heard that in my car, I would maybe just crash my car at that
0: point. It wasn't a, it wasn't a lot of traffic and I wasn't on the highway, so I was in a relatively low danger area luckily.
1: Yeah. Also, Freddy's found a different toy to play with. Good for just now. wanted to know. Yeah. Okay, so Um so what's your list?
0: So, these are the what I consider to be the top 4 funniest facts of sort of the explosion of okay. say, of the 10 Run first inning. So, Uh, Number four, so a mutual friend of ours, my former uh, podcast co-host at Viva Alberto's, Heather Simon. Hey, Heather. People who know Heather who may be listening to this, I don't know. But she's friends with us. She should listen. So she's a big big fan of the uh, Mobile on the Run six is a serious number promotion.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Where if the Cardinals score six
1: big six, part of Heather's brand is yeah. the is six is a serious number and it is a wonderful part of her brand as well.
0: If the Cardinals score six runs in an inning for anyone who or six runs in a game, sorry, not an inning. Six runs in a game, then uh drink set mobile on the run fifty cents the next day. I mm-hmm. I actually have gotten a Snapchat from Heather since we started recording. I haven't opened it yet, but I'm gonna say that the odds that it's a picture of or a video of her uh cheap drink.
1: I, I also have got I also have gotten one um I'll, I will check it. I'm just gonna. And and you are 100% correct. It is a, a live update.
0: Yeah, I, I hear the uh the music in the background for you. And you have to... Yeah, she's
1: listening to a story of the year.
0: She, she often is. But anyway, so um, a lot of the games, because like I'm a fan of the promotion too, not to the extent that she is, but like the
1: It is very of fun. The stupid it. song, yeah, stupid songs they do are really fun.
0: Yeah. So like frequently I'll text her either like cheap drinks in all caps or like the like drink emoji. Um, I sent the cheap drinks text at 4.22 p.m. yesterday. The game started at 4.05 so, yeah. uh And I don't think I sent it immediately after they got the six runs either. So, oh. But it was quick. It was yeah. quick. Uh, number three is that Dexter Fowler had his third plate appearance of the game in the second inning. There were only two Cardinal starting position players that didn't get a hit. One of them was Yadier Molina, who was the hero from the day before. Mm-hmm. The other one was Matt Carpenter, who drew a walk in the first inning and then was pulled as a defensive replacement in the middle of the first inning.
1: <laughs> yeah, which is you always love to see that.
0: Yeah, like Molina, you could argue, uh, you know, didn't have a great game. I'm not going to get too upset about it, but whatever. Carpenter did his job and then they just were like, let's just put Harrison Bader in. Let's not let's not dance around this. Yeah. And then my right. number one, and this is actually a pretty easy number one for me. Uh, let me pull up the exact text message. So I ended up watching the game at a bar and. I texted a friend of mine earlier in the day because I knew that it was like on his way home from work, the bar was. I was like, if you want to come by and watch, a few of us are going to be hanging out and it'll be fun. He said that he couldn't because he had some like work he had to do. And then he uh, texted, this is a quote Now, if they get up like 10 nothing, I'm definitely considering driving down for some victory shots. Um, he did make it and we did do victory shots. So that's the uh, that's the important highlight.
1: All right. Good. Yeah. Man of his word.
0: Yeah. It's just good karma, but yeah, the Cardinals, um, they won, they advanced, and thanks to uh, Clayton Kershaw's latest womp, womp. kerfuffle, um, the Washington Nationals won their first playoff series ever, and will be, yeah. uh, coming to St. Louis for uh, Friday night. Cardinals right. feel advantage for this series. They will not... the. They have home field advantage, even though they had a worse record than the Nationals because they won their division, and the Nationals didn't. That rule will not apply to the World Series in case the Rays get there, which might not even be a relevant thing by the time you're listening to this. But just a clarification. But right. Uh, as far as this series is concerned, we both mentioned on the previous episode that we were like more scared of the Nationals than we were of the Braves. I believe we both picked the Dodgers, though, right?
1: I I don't remember, but probably. I, um, I definitely
0: did. So I'll, I'll top to that.
1: Um. What are you, Brian McCann? But I mean, it was it was kind of nice that the fact that we get home field advantage. Now, I don't think the Nationals do. I think we're on an equivalent level as the Dodgers, so I didn't I didn't have really strong feelings about which one we got to face. I think both of them are going to be very very difficult challenges with their pitching staff, especially. Um, but having home field advantage is nice, so we can we can say that's a positive. Um, also, not having to play any West Coast games is very nice
0: yeah i think as far as home field, it's like really more of an aesthetic thing i don't think it really makes that big of a difference in terms of winning the series
1: no i see yes it's just a thing that's nice to to have
0: yeah and you know we don't don't have that additional layer of obnoxious because like the nationals have like the like a a tomahawk chop equivalent like we aren't going to do the celebrity fan section like we did last episode with the braves because i think with the nationals it would just be like defense contractors and mid
1: Right. Yeah. Whoever. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we, we win. Um, also, that bit took like five hours. So, um, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll just say that we win and then um, leave it at that.
0: I'm just going to assume that like, I don't know, Fugazi or big Nationals fans or something. I don't even know like what celebrities are really from D.C., but
1: oh, I'd say I think if I had to guess and I don't even know this for sure. Dave Batista is from D.C. He might be a Nationals fan. He's pretty cool. He would be there. Leader, but when stacked up against, you know, John Hammond and the like, I think we definitely win. And also all the negatives they would have. Yeah, he's going
0: to, like, cancel out Brett Kavanaugh or something.
1: <laughs> yeah. So um, they did announce the um, game one starters. It'll be uh, Miles Michaelis versus Aaron Sanchez. Um, I didn't
0: hear that. Actually, I had heard it was going to be Wainwright, but that's, I think that probably has a better move going with Wainwright or going with. Uh,
1: yeah. So I don't, yeah. Wainwright will be game two, Flaherty will be game three, and Hudson will be game four. Um in the and they also said that in the first game or two, Hudson would be available out of the bullpen. I don't know that the Nats have um announced their order for games two, three and four, but uh for one game one it will be Aaron Sanchez. Reminds me a little bit of um when Anthony Reyes started game one of the World Series for the Cardinals, like Cool, but but you knew like the the really marquee pitching matchups were to were to come later.
0: Yeah, and he faced Justin Verlander in that game and won, so that's the important uh, note.
1: And that's and that's
0: nice. It's, it's very possible that the Cardinals end up facing Justin Verlander again later in the postseason. So
1: hopefully with similar results, I'd love to see him botch another uh, another
0: pickoff attempt. I mean, Dakota Hudson has to be considered like. The current rotation parallel to Anthony Reyes, or, or maybe like somebody gets hurt and then Ponce de Leon has to make the start. That would be the closest. I was
1: trying to think, did Ponce de Leon pitch at all in the series?
0: No, he did not. I thought
1: for sure after they took that big lead, they'd bring him in for like three innings. I wanted them to bring Helsley in so bad. I've, yeah, I Yeah, I wanted to see Helsley do the ninth, but but Ponce do be like the bridge, but it, as long as he pitched okay, be the bridge like between Flaherty and Helsley, maybe like Seeing Hennessy Cabrera was fine because he hadn't really gotten any work either. But yeah. I almost like I understand, you know, having the key guys in there. And I understand as it's been pointed out, this wound up not being entirely true because like with the starting line was like a Rosarinia came in as a defensive replacement. I almost think like I know they they like to have the main guys out there to do the celebration. I think it's more demoralizing to bring in your like entire bench and have them be the ones to celebrate. Um, yeah, but mean, that's neither here nor there. I agree
0: with that. Speaking of a Rosarena, do you think he's going to have any issues getting onto the, uh, NLCS roster since he posted the video of Mike Schilt swearing during the post game speech?
1: Only if it depends on how the Cardinals look at it. Only if they care. And I don't, I don't know yet that they care. I was talking about this with my friend and coworker, Robert earlier, who is, uh, I know listened to episode one. So hello, uh, Robert. Hi Robert. Um, he, I, I, he said that I really, he really hopes they don't make him like uh, issue an apology for it, and I agree with him there.
0: Well, technically uh, he issued an apology already on uh, on Instagram, but hopefully nothing. Like Schilt? That. I mean, I mean, no, Schilt. Or was, oh, Schilt. No, I, yeah, I think that they're, because like it was weird, because like I heard so much sort of moralizing from some corners about Mike Schult's use of profanity, but that was like the whole thing during the last Blues playoff run with Craig Berube. That was kind of. Yeah, and, Like his characteristic was having these very fiery postgame speeches. I thought it was fine. Like,
1: And I mean, she'll, you know, he, he seems like a good leader to look at him. Looks like, like just a total dork. Um, Also looks like Tyler Webb's dad, as we pointed out. Which I appreciate um, both of those yeah, parts of yeah. it. Yeah. Looks like a, a total dork. Um, So, I, you know, I think it's fine for him to, to do this. If this is what he thinks will help, you know, inspire his guys and keep them fired up. Up And by all means, you know, it, we only got a glimpse into it because um, Randy Rosarana decided to do it for the gram.
0: Yeah. I mean, he probably shouldn't have posted it, to be honest. Like, <laughs> yeah.
1: But in fairness, what was it? Did he post the video of it or was he? Insta- I think he was Instagram live.
0: And it, it just kind of happened. Live, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I, mean, I
0: mean, it's not quite the level of like whenever D'Angelo Russell on the Lakers was posting videos of like his teammate committing adultery. <laughs> yeah. it's, like, that was that, that was maybe a little bit more beyond the like, obviously. <laughs> This kind of thing what of my, one
1: of my favorite stories ever involving instagram and sports i think it was i hope i'm not getting this wrong i think it was pablo sandoval when someone caught him like um like during a game that he was like uh uh liking like ladies pictures on instagram and that he'd like just gone into the toilet and out yeah, there that from, was, that was god sandoval. that was so that was so good um but yeah it wasn't like that i think a rosarino was just doing an instagram live because the guys had been doing Instagram lives of the celebrations. I know both Martinez's did after they uh, won the central and it just kind of happened. So I'm not going to fault him. I and mean, even if he did post the video, um, if he had a video and thought it over and then posted, he, I would have just asked that he asked Mike Schilt to do it uh, beforehand. But
0: yeah, I was a lot more offended by Randy Arosiering is at bat in game four than I was the that's right. Because yeah. that, you know, that, was, that was a heinous at-bat. That's right. No,
1: I, I don't think Schild is the type that'll that'll punish him by leaving him off. It's not like he was a guy who was playing a lot anyway. Um, unless what would keep him off would be the fact that that at-bat looked like he just didn't belong at all. Yeah. And he wants to give Tyler O'Neill a shot. That would be the only thing. But I, I kind of doubt but that happens.
0: Any other position player other than a Rosarinha? And maybe Munoz does it. And they get away with it. Like Matt Weeders could do, it and they'd be like, well, you're still better than Kisner enough that we're going to leave you on the roster. Right. But um, we, I think we've lost the plot again, but what um, so a now, surprise. Who, who's your pick? Who are you picking to win?
1: <sighs> um, I am going to say, I mean, once again, these are two teams that seem primed for chaos. Um, Cardinals and nationals in the playoffs. Traditionally, has been chaos, which really isn't here or there because they haven't played each other in the playoffs for a while. If you're looking for the narratives, the Cardinals are you know, a team that's been on the rise. They had all these issues at one point. They look down and out, and they, they really feel as though they're a team, whether this is true or not, feel like nobody believed in them, and that's their, their motivation, and they want to prove the entire world wrong. Um, I think a lot of media people will pick the Nationals. That will motivate them even more. From the Nationals' perspective – they're a team that is really tired of fizzling out in the playoffs. They're going to be super motivated, you know, to take advantage of this window they have. I think the Cardinals could very well win the series. I am going to say Nationals in seven because I think their their starting pitching is less risky than the Cardinals is. That's the basis for my pick entirely.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of wavering between the two because, like I do, like I said last episode, I think the Nationals are a better team than the Cardinals, but. But how has that stopped the Cardinals so far playing teams that are that are,
1: you know are yeah, really good on paper, but, you know?
0: Like the thing with the Nationals though is like they have the awesome top three starters in Scherzer, Strasburg, yeah. and Corbin. Like that's clearly but those guys did a lot of work last round. They did. And also Max Scherzer, like he doesn't look like Max Scherzer right now. No, he looks,
1: he's not the guy that he's not the guy that worries me right Strasbourg. I think it's far scarier um, at this point in time. But as you pointed out, he did pitch a lot in a short period of time already.
0: All three, all three of them did because yeah. the Nationals don't trust their bullpen because their bullpen's terrible.
1: And that and that will be it because the Cardinals they have had this tendency to score like in spurts like once the ball gets rolling and that has you know, when you have a weak bullpen, that's when you can really capitalize on a team. So I think that um yeah, that that's why I think the Cardinals could very well, well hang in there because I can definitely see them you know, just feasting on the Nationals bullpen in certain games. Um, Nationals in seven is my pick, but I'm not, you know, extremely confident in that pick either.
0: Yeah, I'm wavering because the Nationals like they have some awesome position players like Anthony Rendon's an MVP caliber player. Juan Soto, I like he's basically has like Joey Votto's patience and he can't legally drink yet. Yes. Like,
1: it's crazy, crazy, crazy how good he is at this
0: young age, and he's just going to be a behemoth for a generation.
1: It gets talked about, but I don't know if we fully fully appreciate how rare it is for a guy to be that good that young
0: yeah and like honestly at this point i'm a lot more scared of the nationals bats because like they have like those guys they have infield depth they may not have another player to the level of rendon but they have like they can play matchups they have our old friend matt adams um they have ryan zimmerman off the bench they have howie kendrick who can play first he can right second enough that see that's those are the people that worry me though i'm not as worried because i feel as far as the pitching. Not because I think the pitching is going to be bad, but because I don't think the starters can be leaned on as heavily as they were last. Like, have the Nationals, you know, made quick work or won against the Dodgers in a more conventional way? I would say the Nationals had the advantage. At this point, I think I'm going Cardinals in seven. I think it's going to be, like, it's a coin flip. I'm not going to, you know, make fun of your pick of the Nationals unless the Cardinals win the series, in which case I will make fun of you on this podcast about it. But until that happens, though, it's a valid pick.
1: What the fuck have I ever done to you, John? Do you want me to? Do you want me to come to your house and we can just we can just settle the score right now?
0: Yeah, if you want to if you want to vacuum while you're here, that'd be great.
1: Well, I don't want to vacuum, so I'll just I'll just
0: I'll, I'll, I'll
1: just I'll just skip it. Yeah, it's not worth it.
0: All right. Well, um, we're actually we went a little bit longer than we expected, but not nearly as much longer as the last episode. So we're getting a little bit more. Uh, wow. Hopefully, this episode will actually be short enough that we're able to get it on Spotify and yeah. Google Podcasts yeah. and all those avenues. I'll, uh, whenever I post the episode, I'll let people know where they can find it. Though, obviously, if you're listening to it now, you found at least one way around it. Well, uh, Terp, thank you once again for uh, joining me for this podcast. You're welcome. You follow uh, Alex on Twitter at uh, turpin 4 prez d- And I I'll,
1: I yeah, T-U-R-P-I-N, the number four, P-R-E-Z. I should also add, I forgot to last time, my Instagram is Turp underscore E-S-Q if you want to see... Pass. what uh freddy looks like. yeah that's mostly yeah. what it is
0: that's that's fair that's good content
1: um and you are follow- at john jf 125
0: yes that is my uh twitter it's also i think my instagram handle my instagram is boring no no one don't even bother with that but uh, you can follow st. Louis right. bullpen on twitter at stl bullpen um good times there check out the website i've i've managed to get a post up every weekday at least during the playoffs and i intend to keep doing that right so it's possible by the end of it i'm just totally running out of ideas and I'm just like right. yelling things right. at random players. I, can, yeah, I, can't, I, do. I can't feel like Brian McCann retire bitch or anything. Cause he actually did retire after game five, but
1: you could do Brian McCann. Congrats on retiring bitch.
0: That'd be a good bit. Yeah. All right. All right. I, I think we've, uh, we, we've gone far enough. with this. We're done. We're done. All right. All right. Bye everybody.